I think that the model that fits you is going to be totally unique and personal, like a fingerprint. But knowing that there are a ton of different models to play with and try on to see what fits you is a pretty cool thing. You're listening to the Redefining Wealth Podcast with Patrice Washington. In today's episode, we sit down with career coach Lisa Lewis-Miller. She says it's time you know the four pillars of career fulfillment. Hey there, this is Patrice from patricewashington.com, where we chase purpose, not money. Welcome back to another episode of Redefining Wealth. If you are brand new here, here's what you need to know. This is a community that believes that wealth is so much more than what you hear out there in the mainstream media and everywhere else. It is more than money and material possessions. We believe in this community in the original 12th century definition, which was the condition of well-being. So each and every week, this podcast seeks to unpack what that looks like by exploring what we call the six pillars of wealth. These are the other areas of life that actually impact your finances, even when you're not thinking about it. And so if you want to learn more about it, head to patricewashington.com forward slash start here. That's patricewashington.com forward slash start here, and you will get the scoop on the six pillars. Now, before I get into today's episode, I have to let you know that this podcast is brought to you by my new book. My new book, Redefine Wealth for Yourself, is now available for pre-order. And so if you want to get the stories, principles, and practical exercises based on my six pillars of wealth. These will guide you step-by-step through the process to create a life of peace and purpose and prosperity. I am so excited to finally bring this podcast to physical form. (laughs) So to take what you have been hearing on the podcast over the last three years and put all of the real exercises and principles and tips in a book, that will support you as a guide as you go throughout your journey. So pick up a pre-order copy. Uh, The bonus is that you'll get a live masterclass with it, but it's only available to the first several hundred people. There is a limit. So if you want to get that bonus to the live masterclass, results, not resolutions, how to get a jumpstart in your mastery of the six pillars of wealth and hit every goal for the year of 2021, then head over to patricewashington.com forward slash pre-order. That's patricewashington.com forward slash pre-order. All right. So one of the things that, you know, I have been really focused on this quarter is equipping you for what's next. Like, I really want you to have a firm grasp of what's possible for you. If you get clarity around your purpose, and your business, your brand, your career, your family, your life in general. And when I was introduced to Lisa Lewis Miller, I knew that she really had something to offer for those of you who are at a point where you know that you have to pivot. Maybe it didn't happen because you necessarily wanted it to. Maybe it happened involuntarily. Maybe you're pivoting voluntarily. But all you know is that something needs to change. This episode is for you. And it really matters to me because I believe, as I've talked about for many years, that when you are unfulfilled in the thing that you do day in and day out, it does have a detrimental impact on your finances. It creates a void 
that gets bigger and bigger and bigger as the years go on and no house, no car, no vacations can fill it. It can feel good in the moment, but on a long-term basis, there's still just that void. And so I want you to be fulfilled in the work that you do day in and day out. And I brought in the big guns to help us. If there's a job out there, Lisa Lewis Miller has probably done it. Lisa is a career change expert, author, and the founder of Career Clarity, a company helping individuals step into the careers they've been dreaming of. Lisa's work has been featured in Business Insider, U.S. News, and World Report, Fast Company, Refinery29, and so much more. She's also received her coaching certification as one of only seven people in the world trained in the pivot method. If you're looking for someone who will believe in your career happiness as strongly as you do, then look no further. Without further ado, here is Lisa Lewis Miller. Welcome to the Redefining Wealth podcast, Lisa. Thank you so much, Patrice. It's a delight. So Lisa, when we were introduced by a mutual friend, Jordan Rayner, uh, who is a friend of the podcast, he wrote the book Master One, you all will remember. I was like, okay, cool. Definitely. I'll check Lisa out, you know, and we'll try to make space for 2021. We've pretty much recorded everything. I think I may have emailed you that and said that. And then I had a chance one night to really go through your site. And I was like, we're going to have to rearrange some things because Lisa really has a lot to offer for a time such as this. like, And I wanted to make sure that we were able to equip the audience for this fourth quarter as folks are really taking a deeper dive, you know, into what they really want and introspection and self-reflection and finally maybe acknowledging I'm not that happy where I am, you know, professionally and maybe it's time to do something different. And here at Redefining Wealth, we talk about the work pillar being about being in purpose, but we always talk about the need for fulfillment in the work that you do. Because if you're not fulfilled from my work, I find that people tend to mismanage their finances. So I brought in the career clarity woman herself. (laughs) Lisa, like, how did you get into this work of helping people get clear with their career paths? Well, Patrice, I got into career clarity work as a result of having a real need for some kind of framework and some kind of mission statement to help me figure out clarity and purpose on my own. You know, when I first started out my own career, I feel like I was this possessed Goldilocks I kept bouncing from job to job to job. And this one, I don't have enough growth opportunity. This one is too stressful. This one isn't aligned with my values. This one, you know, and I just kept finding all of these things that look kind of good on paper, but didn't feel good on the inside. And I felt like after I had made three or four job changes, that I didn't want to be the person who was bouncing from job to job every year or two for the rest of my career and my life. That was not the reputation I wanted. That was not the way I wanted to show up. That wasn't the way that I wanted to serve. And so I started wanting to really dig into understanding the drivers of fulfillment, the drivers of that career pillar of how do you find something that feels like you are living out 
a mission, a purpose, something bigger than yourself, something more impactful, something that feels like it's using your strengths and gifts. And so after whatever it was, job change number three or number four, I threw myself down the research rabbit hole about what's even out there. What do people know about how we define fulfillment, how we define success? And so I looked at the data, I read the books, I was looking at the studies, I was doing trainings, I was reading white papers. And along the way, I accidentally kind of created a job for myself in being an expert on this stuff and then sharing it with other people to help them figure out how to define fulfillment for themselves and then create that in their lives. So I think what's really interesting is when I read your bio and look at some of the places you've worked, these look like dream jobs on paper, right? Like really well-known brands, sexy brands, um, you know, big corporations, right? And these are the things that a lot of people come out of college and they're like, I want to go be there. And you found yourself there and then still recognized there's more, this is not enough. Like, what did that feel like, right? So when you're in those moments and it's a great job and it looks good and everyone else thinks you should be happy, you're successful, what does it actually feel like to know that you're still unhappy? Well, you know, so Patrice, something I think that's so cool and so interesting about a commonality between all the guests that you have on your podcast is that this story shows up all the time right? Look at, look at Trent Shelton, right? Thinking that he had this big shot NFL career and then having everything go sideways. Look at Kwame Christian, who, you know, got a law degree, was going to be making bank, but practicing law wasn't quite, you know, the thing that was lighting him up as much as teaching and as much as establishing a business. And, you know, I feel like there are probably a lot of people listening who have hit a similar point to what they hit and what I hit, which was you're working in a job that looks pretty good on paper, but you're having a really hard time getting up in the morning. You can't put your finger on why. You just feel tired. You feel like you can't get enough sleep. You feel like you're sleeping enough and you can't get enough sleep. And you almost feel like you're phoning it in and you're going through the motions and that what you're doing, it just feels empty. Like you can keep doing it. You can press, you know, rinse and repeat and keep coming and phoning it in day after day after day. But there's a real part of your soul, your creativity, your problem solving capability that just feels like it's not getting tapped into and used in the ways that you want it to be used. And I think that there's there's a certain sense of unhappiness, but there's also a certain sense of confusion Because in a lot of ways, when you step into a role that looks really sexy on the outside, like when I was working at Teen Vogue or at the American Cancer Society, you think this should be it. I should have arrived. This should be all I need. And on paper, when you look at it on paper, it's hard to see where the problem is. You think the role kind of looks like it should be a good fit. It matches up with what I can do. But If you don't listen to that feeling of tension or friction coming up inside of you, it can sometimes be easy to miss that you're even unhappy and just feel like you are stuck swirling in confusion. Oh, that's so good, Lisa. That is, uh, 
you broke that down so well. And it makes me think of over the years, and I know you've worked with over 500 clients and I've worked with you know many clients over the years too. And I find for a lot of people, it also makes them confused about what their gifts actually are. Because here you are knowing that you're gifted in some area, like you know you're the bomb, right? Like that is your jam, yet you end up in a space where it's not a right fit and then you start to question the gift. So is it, it, did I even really find the thing? Did like, what, did I waste all my time in school? Have I wasted years away doing this? And in our community, we say, sometimes you have the right gift in the wrong industry or the right gift in the wrong office or the wrong ministry. What do you think about that? How often do you find that being one of the things that makes you confused? Oh, all the time. And I think that the things that make you doubt your gifts can come in all different varieties, all different flavors, right? Because sometimes the things that make you doubt your gifts are straight up biases and prejudices, right? If you are in a situation where you are part of an underrepresented identity, an underrepresented group, be it race, be it gender, be it sexual orientation, be it religion, be it whatever, and you start getting microaggressions at work, it's going to make you doubt so much about the core of who you are and what you believe in, what you think is right, what you think is worthy, what you're being asked to do by your your employer. And so that can be an incredibly, incredibly painful thing to have happen. But even if that's not what's happening, right, you're not in a position where you are experiencing bias or discrimination, there's still tons of other reasons why there can be misalignment that creates that doubt and fear and nervousness about what's to come. And when I, when I work with folks, I talk about four core drivers of fulfillment. And I think that each of those can be a contributing factor to why you might feel doubt or misalignment. So the first factor that goes into fulfillment is feeling like you're working in your strengths and gifts. So if your current role is either not utilizing them or you are in a role where they are being diminished and not being valued, it's going to be really easy to make the logical leap that then those things aren't valuable and they aren't worthy. And that is such a painful, wounding thought to carry around with you. And let me say, Patrice, this happens especially with women because there's so much about gifts that women are socialized to display more often or more frequently, like compassion, empathy, community building, strong communication. And there's so much about the patriarchy, you know, that, that oftentimes diminishes some of those quote unquote soft skills and treats them like they're not valuable when in reality, they are the glue that make it so that we can conduct business in the first place. Right. Right. And I get that with the women I coach so often, by the time I'm trying to push them into purpose, Lisa, they are so beat up a lot of times by supervisors, managers, the owner of their company, whomever, who has made them or they've allowed the comments, the reviews, the lack of acknowledgement, the lack of gratitude, you know, for what they've contributed to make them feel that nothing 
is valuable. And so here I am looking at these brilliant women, like saying over and over again, oh my gosh, do you know what you've done? Like, do you know who you are? The reason we create brag binders is like as a physical reminder of like, look at all you have done and how you've contributed and how you've shown up here. And it's really hard. You know, we spend a lot of time before we can even talk about launching anything, just helping people, I would say, kind of heal from using the right gift in the wrong place. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and let me say too that that the example that you just brought up of feeling like you haven't been appreciated, that you haven't been seen and valued. When I think about the four drivers of fulfillment, that one for me really falls into the category of personality fit. Are you working at an organization that shares your values? Are you working at an organization where your boss and your colleagues value you, want you to bring your full voice and your full gifts to the table and know how to appreciate you? You know, I oftentimes talk about the five love languages as a tool that's actually really critical for business because if you know that one of your love languages is words of affirmation and you love being told that you are wonderful, you're capable, you're smart, you're creative, you're all these things, and then you work with a boss or with a team that does not give any kind of affirmation or validation, it can again totally cause you to doubt your gifts because you are not completing the feedback loop in the way that your heart and soul need to feel valued and cherished and seen and like you matter. So Lisa, you'll appreciate this. Over quarantine, (laughs) we started to give my daughter weekly assignments, the things that we felt she would really benefit from. So she's done assignments around entrepreneurial type things, SWOT analysis, and she did some stuff on you know, preparing for college. She was 12 turning 13. And one of the assignments I gave her was to read the book, The Five Love Languages, so that she could identify what hers was and articulate that to my husband and I, accept what ours are, right? Because she's like, you don't do, hey, learn my love language and let me understand yours, right? But I love the connection that you're making you know, for that even to career, because that's now something that she'll even further be prepared for because she really understands. And sometimes she'll be like, hey, uh, words of affirmation or like whatever, like she knows them now. And I would say to anyone listening, not only if you're not in a romantic relationship, don't think that that book is just for that. This is a great example of how you can use it in platonic, you know, friendships, in relationship with your family, but also in your career path. This is really good. Oh, yeah. Well, and Patrice, I think that too, the gifts part of love languages ties in so much to the money, money, money part of your pillars. Because if you have certain things that are gifts that would make you feel validated and appreciated, be it bonuses, promotions, raises, you know, if you're not getting those at work, it would be no surprise, again, that you would be feeling not valued, doubting your strengths, doubting your gifts, wondering if this is a place for you to stay. And you're right to doubt that, right? Because there's so many different organizational cultures and so many different managers and teams out there that there's one out there that's going to be a better fit for you where you can still bring your gifts to the table and make a difference the way you want. I think that's the thing though. So many people I find 
seem to be stuck because they think that's the only place, right? Like there's so many opportunities out there. And I know when we're in a dispensation of time when there is so much job loss, right? Especially now it's like, well, people are already losing jobs. So I just need to be grateful and sit here and continue to take it. What do you say to people like that who are like, well, I got to just take what I can get. But I'm not, I can't be concerned about fulfillment and actually enjoying my job. So that exact statement is something that I've taken to calling gratitude shaming. When we are feeling like I'm not grateful enough for what I have, therefore I do not deserve anything else. And you shame yourself by trying to make yourself more grateful and more appreciative and almost more willing to settle. That is, you know, what you're articulating is really common. And it's a really painful way that we're weaponizing gratitude and all these beautiful personal development topics against ourselves. And we cannot be in the business of weaponizing gratitude against ourselves. I'm a big believer in the yes and philosophy that yes, you can be grateful for what you have, or you can work on being even more grateful for what you have. And that is no reason to squish your ambitions. That is no reason to stop aspiring and dreaming and desiring for more. That is no reason to tell yourself you have to settle for the rest of your life. I sure hope someone listening gets that in their spirit, that you don't have to settle for the rest of your life. And you can be grateful for where you are and yet still desire more, more fulfillment, more joy, more peace, you know, more. You are worthy of that. And I think that sometimes when we're in the wrong space and maybe in the wrong career path, we also are doubting whether we are worthy of more. Do you see that come up at all? Oh, yeah, all the time. And it's totally understandable to be doubting your your worth in terms of the market. And I want to draw a distinction between having some doubts or concerns about what your market value is in a job market versus your worth, right? You are a child of God. You are priceless. You are incredible. You can't put a dollar value onto your worth. It just, that's just conceptually, that does not work. But you better preach, Lisa. Come on. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you know how easy it is to conflate market value worth with being worthy and being enough. And that is a dangerous logical leap to be making, right? Because everybody and the set of skills that you bring to the table and what you want to be doing, how you want to use those gifts can find a market worth for what that would be for a company to pay you to do that work for them. And, you know, even some of the most simple things that we can do in the world still have a market worth but I think that conflating your market worth for what, how you want to be using your gifts with your innate worth and your innate worthiness is a dangerous, dangerous game to play because that will mentally put you in a space where you are never going to negotiate for more. It is going to make you always feel like a victim and like you're lucky to get a job. And if you have gifts and skills to bring to the table, it is not luck that you are getting a job. It is your hard work. It is your sweat equity. There's a certain amount of luck 
one of my favorite phrases is you don't get hit by the luck truck unless you're standing in the middle of the road. Oh, I haven't heard that before. (laughs) (laughs) I, I heard it really early in my career and it just stuck with me. And, you know, even if you get quote unquote lucky, you are doing something to let the universe, let your community know that you are available for work, for opportunities. And when you do that, you can't have the belief in your heart that you're not worthy. You're not enough. Because mm-hmm. that belief will then sabotage your ability to find new opportunities, your ability to grow, your ability to expand, your ability to serve, and your ability to be generous. You know, when people get really wrapped up in these feelings of doubt about if they are worthy and what their worth is, the ripple effects of that is that then you're not going to be able to make the kind of charitable donations that you want to make because you feel like you're just living paycheck to paycheck. You know, the ripple effects of that are that your relationships start to suffer because you don't show up in your full light and your full glory and bring your full voice to the table. So I want to make sure that anybody who's listening to this is really clear that your market worth is a thing that has to do with how much you get paid to do work. And you can manipulate that and change that based on how you are packaging yourself, how you are marketing your gift, what you want to do, how you want to serve. But that that number will never have any impact on your enoughness and your worth as a human. Mm. This is so good. Oh my goodness. I love that. I was taking copious notes. I love this. Let's jump back in to your four pillars of career fulfillment. So we talked about strengths and personality. Next is interests. Yes, yes. So coming back to your original question about doubting your skills and your strengths and your gifts, you had mentioned earlier that one of the things that you see is that people can be working in the wrong industry and finding that their gifts are undervalued or underappreciated because they're just not in the right space. They're not solving the right problems. And that is what the magnetic interest pillar is all about. Are you solving problems in your day-to-day life at the big macro level, you know, so within your organization and within your industry that you care about and that matter to you? And then are you solving problems at the micro level in your day-to-day of what you do in your job that feel good to you? Because if you are in an industry that you do not care about, that does not speak to your soul or your heart at all, And it's not enabling you to create something else bigger in your life that is creating a sense of connection and meaning and purpose, then you're always going to feel that ache of feeling misalignment or feeling like you, you're, that there's something missing. So looking at your industry and the department that you are doing your work in can be a great place to look to see if there's somebody who can value you and your gifts even more. Yeah, I love that. Over the years, I've definitely coached a few women who ended up staying in the same company, but going to a different department and realizing that that was just a better use of their gifts. So initially they were looking for something just in a completely different place, but it wasn't even that far away. But something that you say is that a lot of people know what they don't like, but they don't have clarity right? About what they do like and what they really do want. And so when you kind of break that down and get clarity around what your real interests are, I'm assuming that just makes figuring that piece out a bit easier. 
Yeah, 100%. Yeah, when I talk about the, the four pillars of fulfillment, the four drivers of fulfillment, when you define your needs in each of these four categories for yourself, you start coming up with a working definition of what fulfillment and success looks like for you. And that working definition is what leads you to clarity. Because if you have a sense of what sort of gifts you want to be working in and growing, if you have a sense of the areas you're most interested in and the problems that you want to solve, you have a sense of the kind of culture that feels good for you and the way that you can feel like you can bring your full self to the table. And then our last pillar is lifestyle. If you have a sense of how you want work to fit into your life and how you want to be compensated for that work, it pre-makes some decisions for you about what you are available for and what you will consider and what you won't consider. And it makes it really unemotional, right? You don't have to wrap yourself up in the, oh, well, should I or should I? Well, what what if? And well, if I don't do that, then blah, blah, blah. You don't have to go down that sort of mental rabbit hole. You can just look at what's most important to me. What did I put on paper? And how does that then give me some, some guardrails on what to look at and what to not be tempted by no matter how sexy and how interesting it might look on its face. Oh my gosh. I love this one so much. I was so really happy to see that lifestyle was a part of the puzzle because for so long, I've watched people take jobs merely for the money and not consider how it would impact their lifestyle. Now we have a lot of moms, but it doesn't even matter if you have a family. Maybe you just have hobbies. Maybe you have interests. Maybe you just know how you like to spend your day or spend your weekends. And then to take a job that robs you of being able to live that out, the money is not gonna make a difference after those first few checks. You will be riding high on adrenaline and super pumped about whatever it is, that sexy title, that office, that whatever. And then you have to still settle back into your real life. And when you realize that it is just out of alignment, that is where we find that people tend to overspend, right? Because now they're trying to fill the void Mm -hmm. that being in a job that really doesn't serve their soul and doesn't give them the flexibility to live their lives, how they want to live it. Maybe they look like a public success, but they feel like a failure privately. And for me, I've, I've been on for many years now, I can take less money if it's going to be in alignment with who I am and how I want to show up. I'm okay with, it. I've said no to many of things. And I love that you talked about and it wasn't such an emotional roller coaster. I've said no to things and it was, I read the email and replied no. And they were like, do you want time to think about it? No, I read, I'm very clear on my values. <laughs> I'm clear on my values, what matters to me and you know what I want and what I don't want. So I don't really have to sleep and pray on every single thing. Some things, it's just, a you know, it's literally a yes or no. And that's such a beautiful place to arrive at where you feel like you can just be, just chill, that there's no drama. You don't have to stay awake, lying in bed, sweating it out late at night, that it just feels clear and peaceful. And like there's, it's like a bell is ringing inside of you of either, oh, yep, that's totally aligned. That is on mission. That is on purpose. That's in all, you know, it fulfills so many of my fulfillment drivers or 
you know, there's a past version of me that might've been very tempted by this. But now that I know how I'm defining fulfillment and success for myself right now, I know it's off mission and I feel, I feel comfortable. I feel grounded in my no. You feel so powerful too. Like, yes, comfortable, grounded, and so just empowered to be true to who you are and be able to trust that you will still be divinely guided to the path that's for you. Because sometimes we don't say no, because we also think, oh my gosh, it'll never come around again. But we live in such like an infinite universe, right? Like there are no shortage of opportunities if you look at life through that lens. But when we get caught up in scarcity, it's like, well, what if this is the only time I'll ever get this? And so even though it's not alignment, doesn't fit my lifestyle, mm, not sure if it fits my personality, culturally, I don't know if it's a fit. Like we don't check anything off except for, but it's six figures. So eh, we'll see. (laughs) Yeah, it's, I mean, it's a real tension because there is a certain amount of, of sort of cultural conditioning that we get that opportunities are scarce, that we need to jump when people tell us to jump that things are only going to come around once, that it's like a a shooting star or a comet. You got to grab on when you can. And I heard somebody say this quote that just rocked my world and changed my way of thinking about this so completely. And the quote was, you can't miss your own boat. Your boat does not leave without you. There are going to be plenty of boats that, you know, that come through the harbor that are looking for passengers. You can't miss your boat. So if an opportunity comes and it looks so tempting and so tantalizing and so exciting, but it comes with all this time pressure and you feel like you got to make the decision right now, it may not be your boat. And if you say no, that does not mean that that opportunity won't either present itself back to you or be something that you can't create for yourself later in the future. Mm. So good. I have a, a, a last question before we get into our redefining wealth rapid wisdom questions. And this one is for my folks that are multi-passionate. Does the framework for the four pillars of career fulfillment help those who may have a certain skill set professionally, but there's so many other parts of them they want to explore. What do you say to those folks? Is it wait out, wait it out and find a job that has all of their crazy ambition like all wrapped into it, if that's a thing? Or is there a way to do one thing professionally and allow yourself to have hobbies that feed those other parts? Like what's your advice when you get multi-passionate folks? Oh, multi-passionate folks. I love you. I I am you. I hear you and I feel you on the tension that comes with this question. And so when I was first starting career coaching, I was running into a ton of people who were bringing up this same issue. And I, I couldn't find a one size fits all advice that felt like it worked. You know, I couldn't find advice of wait it out, try to create something that incorporates all your passions together. I couldn't find advice of, you know, just do it as a side hobby, a side gig, whatever. And then I discovered the work of a um, a researcher named Emily Wapnick. And Emily has done all this work on multi-potentialites is what she calls them or multi-pods for short. 
And she did research into how multi-potentialite people create fulfilling career paths forward. And she wrote this fabulous book called How to Be Anything or How to Be Everything. It's it's one of the two of those. Um, and in it, she defines what I kind of refer to as these personal business models for ways that you can take your multi-passionate self and channel it into potential work options. And so some of the things that she outlines are just just super cool, brilliant. I'll share a couple, but if anybody is listening to this and this is resonating, you should totally go at least in a minimum, watch Emily's TED Talk because that's a great resource for you. But one of the things she talks about is the group hug model. And Patrice, this is exactly what you just described of finding a way to wrap all the different pieces of you up in one job, right? So this might be working at a domestic violence prevention nonprofit, doing event management and relationships where you get to bring in all these different pieces of who you are into one thing, right? Or it could be somebody who starts a a restaurant where all the proceeds go to fund animal shelters. it's, It's having all the pieces in one big group hug, as she says. But she gives tons of other ways that you can integrate your passions and your interests into Paths Forward. One of them, the one that resonates most for me, is what she calls the phoenix, which is where you double down on becoming a subject matter expert in one thing. And you do it for five, 10 years. And then you just decide one day, you just wake up and you say, you know what? I'm ready to move into something completely different. And you burn it to the ground and you start over on a brand new path that is completely new. Right. So I look at my own path into career coaching. And prior to coaching, I was working as an account executive doing digital marketing and communications consulting. So, way, way, way different from career advising or HR or anything else that you would sort of traditionally think a coach might come from. But my obsession with starting to answer these questions around fulfillment was the impetus I needed to have my Phoenix moment where I burned that old life to the ground and was reborn into this brand new path. So Emily talks about the slash approach where you have multiple streams of income. She talks about the Einstein approach where you do your nine to five at something that's fine and stable and pays the bills. And then you have some extra time and energy left over to build a side hustle or build passion projects. So I think that the model that fits you is gonna be totally unique and personal like a fingerprint. But knowing that there are a ton of different models to play with and try on to see what fits you, I think can be a really empowering way for multi-passionate people to not see their passions as being a liability or a problem or trying to have to like stuff themselves into one box for the rest of their lives and just give them ways to see possible opportunities and exciting pathways forward over the course of a career that can be you know, a multi-decade adventure. We have so much time in our careers that you can reinvent yourself four different times and have four decade-long careers, which is a pretty cool thing. Right. I think it's really cool. As you were talking about the Phoenix too, it made me think of Mulan. (laughs) (laughs) We just watched that shameless plug for Disney Plus. Like We just watched Mulan recently and that whole idea of burning her old self she stood up and shook her hair out and was no longer pretending to be that the, the little boy. I definitely feel that I've had 
these many pivots, I don't think I've burned anything all the way down to the ground, but I've definitely uh, burned wings <laughs> of, of the structure down and just allowed it to rebuild. But I'm really, I will link to that because I think that's really great. And I felt like someone was driving along or listening on the treadmill or listening in their kitchen and you just gave them such permission and confirmation that they're not crazy. They're not like, it's okay to be multi-passionate and there's a path for you. So don't feel like, because you don't know the exact thing that there's nothing for you. That's really good. Well, before I let you go, Lisa, I'm going to ask you some redefining wealth, rapid wisdom questions. So just tell us the first thing that comes to mind. Okay. All right. I'm ready. How do you define success? I define success as feeling the way you want to feel in your day. And this is like a hard definition for me because when I get real honest with myself about that question, I can always find little places to keep improving and little places where I can take some friction out of my life or little places where I have been trying to audition for somebody else's definition of success and it isn't working and isn't fitting. But I really believe that if you bring it back to how you want to feel, you know, those core desired emotions, Success is getting to spend as much time in those emotions, be they challenge, be they peace, be they connection, community, family, you know, whatever it is, as you can. Mm, That's good. How do you define wealth in three words or less? It feels like it's got to be a combination of autonomy, comfort, and satisfaction. That's good. I don't think we've heard those three words out of all these guest interviews I've done. I don't think anyone has ever, not just said those together, ever chose those three words. I mean, it feels like wealth has got to be freedom to make your own decisions and do things on your own terms. Wealth has got to be having a quality of life that feels good. You know, it doesn't have to be private jets necessarily. And it's got to be a sense of, of peace with it, that you don't have to feel like you're always in the striving energy, that if you feel like you can exhale, like that's wealth. Absolutely. I agree. What's one book that has redefined how you see wealth? So I was an economics major in undergrad. So I feel like I can come at this from like the hyper nerdy area of picking out one of my textbooks. But I feel like um, when I read Money Master the Game by Tony Robbins, one of the exercises that he walks you through in that book is creating essentially a money plan and dreaming as big as you want to dream and looking at how much that actually costs, price it out, figure out the timeline to make it happen. And I think that thinking about that money and wealth and finances as all just being a product of plans and strategies made it feel so much more accessible, so much more hopeful to think about the long game. So I I know that Tony Robbins is a is a divisive figure for a lot of folks, but that book was a, a real eye-opener for me. I love it. We'll link to it. And last one, you're going to fill in the blank. My name is, and to me, the truth about wealth is. My name is Lisa Lewis Miller. And the truth about wealth is that it is more of a mindset than a bank account number. 
Didn't I already tell you to preach, Lisa? To <laughs> preach. <laughs> I love it. Thank you so much for your time. And again, I just really feel like in this time where there is so much uncertainty, I think about what am I going to do? Do I want to still do these things or I'm being forced to pivot? This idea of the four pillars of career fulfillment really gives people something to start with and think about as a framework. And I know that there's so much on your website and you have your own show. So we will link to the Career Clarity Show. That would be fabulous. Yes, thank you. We will link to everything because I really want you as purpose chasers to be equipped to go in to this last quarter, but go into 2021 prepared and feeling powerful and purposeful and peaceful. And the more clarity you have around what you are meant to do, not just as an entrepreneur, you know, I'm not just about that, but in a career path, the better. So thank you so much, Lisa, and many more conversations to come. Thank you for having me, Patrice. You're doing amazing work. Okay. Wasn't that such a yummy conversation? I really loved Lisa's four pillars. I loved that she really took time to break this down and create a framework of something you should consider before you say yes to that next thing. And I know when we're in seasons like this, it's tempting to be like, well, it's a check, so I'm going to just do it. And I remember years ago when we were in the midst of the recession, the great recession. And I remember Gerald, my husband, looking for jobs and going, well, this one pays this and this one pays that. And I asked him similar questions like, but is that utilizing your strengths? Are you going to be happy? Is that a fit for our family? And I didn't know anything about the four pillars of career fulfillment, but I know him saying no right? Being able to answer those questions honestly and say no to them really helps set him up for the different jobs he would go on to take and the opportunities he was able to capitalize on. And so I've seen this for myself, right? Not just for me as an entrepreneur, but even for my husband who went on to be employed by someone else. I've seen it for myself. And when I say that these things allow us to chase purpose, not money, asking these questions, leaning into the answers, allowing ourselves to not be so emotional every time something comes up, but knowing because we know in our hearts what's right for us, it really does work. It takes trust, but it does work. And for my multi-passionate folks, I hope you got some confirmation that you're okay right? That there's a way to channel all those things that you are interested in and the things that you want to pursue. And I don't want you to forget about gratitude shaming. You don't have to live in a space of making yourself feel bad because you want more. It is okay to want more and be grateful for what you already have. And I feel like that was a great moment in the interview just to kind of unlock that idea. Like, look, use the and. It doesn't have to be or at all. It can be and. There's so much in this episode. I really hope that it blesses someone. So listen, make sure you check out the Career Clarity Show with Lisa Lewis Miller and also check out the links in the show notes so you can connect with Lisa, learn some more 
about the framework that she's offering with the four pillars of career fulfillment. And we'll be back next week with another episode that I really pray is going to equip you to finish this year strong, but start 2021 even stronger. So I will be back. Make sure you find us over in the Redefining Wealth Facebook community. Word on the street is Lisa may actually be showing up to do a live Q&A just for Purpose Chasers. That's word on the street. So I would say make sure you get over into that free Facebook community, Redefining Wealth, and get your questions ready because Lisa and I are going to go live and she is going to help Purpose Chasers get their career fulfillment on. So this is why you need to stay locked in. Um, But until next time, I want you to go live your life's purpose, find fulfillment, and earn more without ever chasing money. Talk to you later. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.